he was born one morning, it was drizzling rain. White men trouble are my middle name. I was raised in the cane break by an old mama lion. Can't no high tone woman make me talk the line. You load the 16 tons. Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for late October 2015. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week. It's not Diablo 3. Oh, Jesus. Uh, my name is uh, Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not League of Legends. Finally. I know. I guess five years was enough. I know. <laughs> McMaster, it's that time of year. Uh, hmm. I don't know how your wallet is holding up, but it's, a, it's, it's just a calamity. This is uh, the time of year we all look forward to and simultaneously dread. Yeah, you know, this year has been kind of weird for me because I haven't bought a lot of games. Uh, I, I bought a couple, but I they've been they've been lasting pretty good this time. Uh, you know. Well, surely you've got a couple coming up that you're not going to be able to, to resist. Well, obviously, uh, I actually <laughs> I put in for four days uh, off of work, uh, the tenth through the fourteenth. Uh, let me no- guess. Let me guess. Can I guess? Sure. Halo Five. Exact no, uh, uh, StarCraft. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so like, uh, I put I put in for those days, and um, I put in I, the. Re- I know exactly what it is. Can I guess again for real? Y- yes. Is it Fallout Four? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. November 9th, right? So you're you're not going to be playing on the first day it's out. You've got no. It's it it's the tenth. Well, I thought it was the ninth. No, no, the tenth. Uh, well. I mean, kind of. I think it'll come out early in California, because if they do Bethesda time midnight, which they do a lot, then it'll be like, you know, your time ninth, I think, yeah. Okay, well, I put on my little calendar, because I, I finally was sick of like trying to remember, hey, when does this come out? When does that come out? So I actually opened up a Google Calendar thing, and I just wrote the release dates for various games. And I'm showing right here, McMaster, on my Google Calendar. So basically, the Internet says November 9th. Yeah, and it probably will be for you. Um or you, you're you're taking off four days starting the tenth yeah. to, to just do a Fallout Four marathon. Right? And in my request, uh, I put in that I was going to be having a radiation sickness. Nice. I, you might, I couldn't. I could not help myself. You could have also put in uh, starvation. Sure. True. Uh, mutant, uh, mutant scorpions. That's a good yeah. one. Is yeah. Nuke, uh, Nuka Cola drinking spree. Exactly right. You got to take work off for one of those. Oh, obviously. So I know, we can't talk about Fallout 4 because I know nothing about it. I know there's been press, but fortune... This there's is one of those not instances. a lot. Oh, really? Good, yeah. good. Because so I was going to say, this is one of those instances where I'm glad that Bethesda wants nothing to do with me. I mean, those guys won't even answer my emails, they, which I'm, I'm fine with that because I'm happy to not get any press releases about Fallout 4. I'm happy to know nothing about it. I'm, I'm looking forward to going in on November 9th or 10th, whenever, just with a blank slate. I'm, I'm as ignorant as a newborn babe about what I'm in for, and I'm totally cool with that. I'm uh, I'm still happy to be on the good side of Bethesda, so everybody out there uh, from Bethesda that might be listening, uh, I, I love you. I, right, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Don't, don't hold my master any, it, for, it responsible for anything I might have said or any rating I might have given to a Bethesda game. McMaster is totally independent of that. Right, absolutely. You know, and they own uh, id. You know, Zenimax does. So that Doom 3 review of mine, golden. Ah, right. Isn't there a Doom 4? That's another thing. Like, I have no idea what's going on with this. Yeah, place. there's a there's a Doom 4. It looks kind of like just a straight-up, like, Quake 3 kind of game, though. It doesn't... There's not a... They're not trying to story it too hard, I don't think. Uh, of course, really, the, the big news before Fallout 4 
McMaster, you've also probably taken several days off work for uh, Heart of the Thorns, the Guild Wars 2 expansion, right? Well, I don't have to. It comes out, what, on a Friday, right? Oh, so you're just going to spend all weekend. But then what happens when it comes around Monday morning and you need to go to work, but you're still only partway through the new content? No, I'd have, have, I'll be in it by then. I'm pretty good. Oh, please. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you can help me. Uh, you can twink my character then in, in, uh, in Guild Wars 2. Uh, what about this uh, this uh, Warhammer-themed Payday 2 Left for Dead kind of game called something-something-something, uh, colon, Vermintide? Oh, man, I get a lot of emails about that thing. Yeah. That's out uh, the same day as uh, the Guild Wars 2 expansion, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Like I, it's not zombies. It's a bunch of, like, rat people. Skaven, I think they're called. I'm totally looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, I like uh, I like killing Skaven as much as the next guy. Yeah, and you get, uh, I don't know, you can be uh, a, a wizard or a fight. McMaster, when we play, I need you to be the cleric. Just hang back and heal me, okay? All right, you got it. Yeah, if I ever take damage, I just need you to, you know what? Bind your, your left mouse click to whatever the heal spell is. Keep me targeted the whole time. And just, you know, hang back and just click, 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 click. I'll, uh, really, I'll probably just put you on auto-follow and bind all my move keys to heal spells. Good, yeah, do that. Do that as well. Uh, and if you can dual-box it to get another healer, oh, yeah, no problem. I would really appreciate that. Awesome. So, you yeah, know, so we'll be playing Fermentide that way. I wouldn't get too excited because the, the guys that are making this game don't have that stellar of a, of a of What are you record? talking about? It's Fat Shark, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, do you not look? Were you one of the people who, and you know what? It's because of people like you that a really cool Western themed game, and we don't have enough of those, although there's actually a couple of them out now. A really cool Western themed game called Lead and Gold? What? Yeah, I was going to say Iron and Lead, but that's a terrible title because neither of those is a very dramatic metal. Uh, I, I have Lead and Gold. Lead and Gold is great, but no one was playing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that's a big problem since it's like only a multiplayer game. <laughs> I, tried, I tried it, yeah. And that, that's why, you know what, if you're an indie developer, don't make a multiplayer game. No one's going to play it. Make yeah. it single player so guys like me can enjoy it long after it's come out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah, not everybody's a League of Legends. They don't have Dota to build on and all that stuff. So. But wh- why are you a bad-mouthing Fat Shark? Like, why do you think they don't have a good track record? I might be forgetting something. Uh, Escape Dead Island. Um, oh, was, that, was that the MOBA thing? or Actually, I... Hell, I don't know what the hell that was. Hang on. Okay. Well, it might be, like, actually. I think it is the mobile. Well, that's really not that bad, I guess. Never mind. I thought it was, well, Bionic Commando rearmed too, but... <laughs> oh, fair enough. Well, and the thing is, like, I, I think a lot of people... Like, it's, it's legitimate to criticize Lead and Gold for being a multiplayer game that never garnered a community. Is that the developer's fault? Partly, absolutely. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, it was a good game, though. I mean, it's not yeah. like I disliked it. It's just nobody was ever playing, so I'm just kind of... So that's why, That's why. by the way, when Vermintide comes out, get in while the getting's good. For all you know, nobody's going to be playing in a week. These little indie things that go for a multiplayer community. You know, that's the quarter to three motto, though. We, uh, we play a right. game for about three days and we move on, so... Well, then it... I don't know if you know this, McMaster, but after after like a week, it starts to... Any new game starts to spoil. Uh, I don't know oh, if you're aware yes. of that. And, and basically, the the, uh, the the digital bits that form it, the ones and zeros, they start to fall apart. So you have to play a game in the first week, that's and then point. you move on to something else that's fresh. It's just like McMaster. You don't go to the grocery store and buy bananas that have been out for a week, right? Well, I mean, sometimes it depends. Well, wait, never mind. Like if you're making banana bread, 
Fair sure. enough. Sure. Right. But, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, also, McMaster coming out, I know you're super excited about this because here's a little known fact about me, and, and probably you and many people think it's weird, but my game of the year last year was Ubisoft's The Crew. Yeah, so, you have always yeah. been a little bit more obsessed with the old racing sims than I have, for sure. Oh, it's not a sim, though. It's an open-world game meets an MMO uh, mm. meets a racing game. And, and not, even a, uh, yeah, not even a racing game, because racing is only part of it. It's a driving game. I mean, there's driving challenges. True. They're not all racing. Cross-country, um, right? Stuff like that. Totally cross-country. Yeah. You can drive anywhere you want. Super open-world. So... I, I, I don't know if it did well, but it did well enough, or either it did poorly if they're going to try again, that this year uh, Ubisoft is doing something called The Crew, colon, Wild Run, which I think is a either a free or a 19 or a $9, I don't know, it's, it might be paid, at any rate, it's DLC, I don't know if it's free or not, uh, for uh, The Crew that upgrades the graphics, adds new like off-road oh. stuff, new challenges, hmm. um, so if you haven't played the crew, what what better time? And if you have, you know, take a look at it, and it'll, it'll probably look way better. Yeah, uh, McMaster, when we play, I'm going to need you to just uh, follow me around, and if I ever find um, like any parts that I can't use, I need you to just carry them for me. Just put them in your trunk, uh, and I'll I'll cash them in or whatever later. I just need you to, to be basically. I uh, like Chum Bucket from the Mad Max game. No, because Chum Bucket isn't an inventory. No matter what I really need is Mule. Oh, I got you. Okay, sure, sure. I could dual box that, too, if you need. Yeah. And actually, you know what? That's not even... Because there's no there's no inventory in the crew. You know what? I'm not sure I have a role for you in the crew. Normally, I need your help in a very specific thing. Yeah. In the crew, you know what, Master? I'm going to... Because it's almost Christmas, I'm going to let you do whatever you want in the crew. Oh, oh my. Yeah. <laughs> now, I will, however, of course... There are, like, multiplayer races. I'm going to need you to do some of those with me, but you have to let me win so that I can get the extra XP and whatnot. So you can come in second place. I'm okay with that. But you need to let me get first. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, this isn't my first rodeo. Yeah. So just, you know, hang back a little ways from me. You know, kind of sell it. Make it it seem to me like I'm being challenged. But but just hang back, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll try to rubber band you a little bit like the computer would, but... Exactly, yeah. right. Right, yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously. Um, you know, it, okay, here's one I, I have to ask you about. Uh, rock Band. Did you get it? Yeah, I got Rock Band 3. I just played it the other night. It was awesome. Oh, wow. It holds up. Yeah, Rock Band 3 definitely holds up. <laughs> See, yeah, I, that's right. You and everyone else in the world got the Xbox 360 version, while I was stuck with the PS3 version. And now all your songs carry over to the PS4, <laughs> don't they? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that supposedly works uh, that way for uh, this one, too. Wait, for what one? What you you can actually, I think you can swap between the two. Between the two what? I'm, I'm confused. The systems. Xbox and PlayStation. I think you're, uh, there was a way for your songs to move over. I think. No, now you're just teasing me. That can't. There, no way, please. I don't believe that for a second. Why do you think that that's the case? I really thought I, I, um, I read that. I, I can't imagine that, that Sony and Microsoft like arranged something where sales on one platform transfer to another. I mean, maybe you're right, but I would be surprised. Rock Band 4 lets you import PS3 and Xbox 360 songs, supposedly, but I don't know if that's 
Well, I really do kind of feel it's moot because I, I don't know. I, oh, wait, I, maybe I just misread that. Anyway, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, and, you know, you're probably right because uh, I haven't been super impressed uh, with it. Um, the control. Oh, you do have it. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Um, okay, well, do tell. You haven't been super impressed. Go on. Yeah, the for some reason, um, the guitar loses uh, connection all the time. Uh, I guess maybe it's the way I hold it or where I'm sitting or something. I'm not sitting very far from the PS4. It could be also, Master, if someone in your house is like running the microwave, that might that's, mess it up too. That's true. Um, and the, the drums, uh, well, actually the drums are fine, uh, but the, the microphone's nice, but the guitar itself is just kind of like, I don't know. Uh, and, and the new kind of solo thing is weird. What's it, the new solo thing? You know, it, it used to, you know, you would play a pre-programmed solo, but now it, it kind of comes up with this, um, meter. And like, if you play whatever you want in a certain meter, and it'll change back and forth, like, uh, and I mean meter by timing. Like, it shows, like, you know, little digits or dashes on the line. Right. And if you keep a certain time while playing these parts, uh, and you can freestyle it or whatever, then, you know, it, it keeps going with your score and whatever. It tells you, you know, great job. But it just kind of, like, doesn't sound right. Right. Uh, so it kind of screws up a lot of the songs to me. Now, you could turn it off and go back to the old one. Um which is what Sarah did with the drums for the the drum. You know, you could freestyle it there too. She didn't really enjoy it. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, other than that, you know, this just kind of. How do you feel about the song list? Like, what songs are there? Any songs I'm missing out on by not having Rock Band Four? Uh, not really. I mean, there's like one or two I think that were okay. Uh, but it's mostly stuff I've never heard of. Uh, so. Yeah, and there is that. What about uh, Rihanna's Bitch Better Have My Money? Is that on there? I don't think so. All right, I'm not interested. <gasps> well, see, like, it's got stuff like What's Up by Four Non Blondes and uh, Toys in the Attic by Aerosmith. You know. Yeah, I know. And Friday I'm in Love, which is like one of the worst Cure songs. And then, I, I don't know. I mean, it's got Suspicious Minds, which is nice, and... It's just, it really is just like a bunch of stuff I don't really care about. Yeah, here's you not selling me on Rock Band 4, Master. Yeah, well, I'm not really selling us. Oh, it, it has The Seeker. So that's badass. Ew, gross. You know what? I don't like The Who. What do you think of that? There's oh. not a single Who song that I can abide. Well, it has Little Miss Can't Be Wrong for assholes like you. So. <laughs> I don't even know what you said. Spin, what it's a Spin Doctor's jam, yo. Yeah, sorry. I'm not hip enough to, I, yeah, sorry. You're not hip enough to know The Spin Doctor's? That's, uh, that's pretty unhip. No, they're the people that like run the Donald Trump's presidential campaign, right? Sure. Spin doctors. <laughs> McMaster, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm totally not hip with music because I'm too busy being a movie nerd. Yeah, that was like 20 years ago, though. Even then, I was a movie nerd. I, all the all the parts of, of your brain that probably know stuff about like music and sports. Um, How about that song, I, Two Princes? Yeah, one, two, princes kneel before you. That's, you've never... How many movies can you name directed by uh, Danish directors? Uh, was In Bruges a Danish director? In Bruges was an Irish fellow. Shit. See, you've already failed. Now, I may not know that too straight that whatever <sighs> song you just mentioned, but I can tell you about Danish directors. Ringmaster, uh, how many of the cast members of JFK, Oliver Stone's JFK, can, can you name? Because I could probably do about 12. I could do several. I don't think I can do 12. Yeah, see, my that's because you're busy knowing about music. See? See where that gets you? 
<laughs> yeah, I guess that. If it ever comes up to where that's that's a pretty serious situation, I'm going to think back and go, Jesus, Tom was right. <laughs> Master, how many crappy horror movies have you watched in the last two weeks? Because unless you can say ten, you're you're not on par with me. I'm sorry. It's... Mm, I, I watched Rounders last weekend. <laughs> Does that yep. count? Not even a horror movie. Sorry. It wasn't although, too... It's not bad. You um, might say that John Malkovich's accent in that is horrific. It is pretty horrific. However, yeah. it's John Malkovich, and you have to kind of... Exactly. Just, you have to let him slide on that kind of shit, because it's John Malkovich. <laughs> so, no, I'm afraid that whatever the set list is in Rock Band 4, I would come to know those songs, but, but right now I, I have no idea what you're talking about. All I know is that there's a Who song on there that I couldn't care about less. Oh, God. I think, uh, wasn't The Seeker in uh, American Beauty... They call uh, me the seeker. He's oh, the, when he's driving his muscle car. Probably, probably. It's pretty I want to say there's a Steven Soderbergh movie. Is the seeker in the limey? Maybe. I could be wrong about that. Um, the seeker, as you know, what's the one that's in the CSI Miami thing where David Crusoe takes off his glasses? Oh, uh, that's when we get fooled again. Yeah. Or as George W. Bush put it, uh, there's a saying back. You know, in Texas, where I come from, well, we're, we're in Tennessee, they probably have it here, too. It's, uh, fool me once, uh, shame on, uh, uh fool me. I, I, point is, won't get fooled again. Very good. That's good, Pastor. <laughs> well, that's one of my favorite things in the entire world. It's a little dated, but that's good. It holds up. Yeah. I watch it all the time still. I can't help it. Uh, speaking of dated, McMaster... Uh, I'm going to need you to come over and play some Disney Infinity in wow. 3.0. Snap. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I've spent way too much time with that. It's a terrible game, partly because it's just... Uh, they, they just don't know how to put the disparate pieces together. Uh, they have different studios working on what are called these play sets, so one studio does this. Yeah, I almost Star- wanted that portal thing, you know? I was close on that one. They oh, almost had me with that one. I think you're thinking of Lego Dimensions. Oh, like never mind. Screw Disney, then. Yeah, well, Disney, you know, the Disney properties. McMaster, when you say screw Disney, do you realize you're also saying screw Marvel and screw Star Wars? I mean, obviously, yes. All right. Well, McMaster, <laughs> so I'm going to need you to come over. I've been playing it a lot. I've had my fill. Uh, I have some notes here for you. I need you to come over because uh, in Disney Infinity, you have the little the little toys, and they're actually very beautiful. They're lovely little sculptures. Yeah, they uh, look really cool. I've seen yeah, them in the look- blister packs at the store. Yeah, right, exactly, and they stand out like way better than the the Skylander stuff. I just think they're oh, yeah. great detail. Um, so you put your little uh, sculpture on the little uh, platform thing, yeah. and it appears in the game, and you level it up. Right, uh-huh. right. Yeah, I mean, it's like Skylanders, I assume. Exactly right. And the, the level cap uh, is level 20. Uh, so, McMaster, I've got a couple here that I haven't been playing, and I need I need you to come over and level them up for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, the guy from Aladdin. What's his name, by the way? Oh, wait. The good is guy? Aladdin, is Aladdin the genie? What's the genie's name in Aladdin? No, Aladdin, is Aladdin the dude or the genie in Aladdin? He's the dude. Oh. Oh, well, the guy from Aladdin then is obviously Aladdin. Oh, so yeah, he, so Aladdin, yeah, okay. That makes sense, because why would you name the whole story after the genie? What's the genie's name? Um, genie. <laughs> I don't really think they actually have a name for him. I think it's just genie. I don't know why I thought the genie was Aladdin. Okay, anyway, so I'm going to need you to, whatever the guy is with those crazy poofy pants from Aladdin. MC Hammer? No, oh, they are MC Hammer pants. Yeah. But I'm going to need you to level up Aladdin. Uh, also, Tinkerbell. Oh, obviously. Uh, and, and Mulan. 
Wait, Dingus hasn't leveled up Tinkerbell by now? (laughs) No, sorry, I don't. The listeners may not know, I have a friend of mine uh, named Christian who does a movie podcast with me. No, he's been busy leveling up these, um, they're like, they're Star Wars characters, I have no idea who they are, and they're apparently from some, uh, like, Star Wars cartoon or something. Uh, Do you know, like, who, uh, let's see, one of them is Ezra Bridges. No idea. Uh, And there's Sabine Wren. Um, yeah, you got me, man. Yeah, I'm not, so I'm not good with Star Wars names because they're I mean, just, they're just well outside of my realm of rememberable things. Right. Well, the only reason you would know these are Star Wars guys is because they have lightsabers. Oh well, then I mean, that's kind of a dead giveaway, then. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so just get Mulan, okay, Aladdin, yeah. and Tinkerbell to level twenty, uh, and then you'll you'll be good. And oh yeah. Be good. I'll play the strong, independent women. Uh, and Aladdin. Tinkerbell, strong, independent woman. Right. Okay. Oh, well, okay, Mulan, come on. Because Tinkerbell, I don't know if you remember, is actually a petty, jealous little uh, B-word, I believe. She, from... she doing her thing, man. Yeah. Uh, all right, McBester, uh I want to tell you now about another game I've been playing. All right, do it. Now, the listeners are probably going to zone out, so I'm going to try to make it quick. And McBester, you two might fall asleep. All right, I've got some coffee here, so we'll see. Okay, so have some of this coffee. The reason that this... Uh, I, I also play a lot of board games. Um, some board games are super nerdy war games. Uh, and some super nerdy war games are actually solitaire board games, which oh. to me is no different than playing a, a video game, single player. So one of them, which I just bought, at a fairly exorbitant price, because these are niche things. Um, and I bought it because a friend of mine named Bruce Garrick, who's into all of these nerdy war game things, uh, I was hanging out with him recently, and he pulled out a game called uh, uh, D-Day at Omaha Beach. And I can't think of a game I would less want to play. If that, I never That get, is the most Bruce Garrick thing I've ever heard. Well, Bruce Garrick, gets, he knows how to get obscure, but like any D-Day crap, like, like the Normandy landing... Nobody cares about that anymore. We're so saturated with that stuff. I don't need to be at Omaha Beach. I don't want to play any games yeah. about Omaha Beach. Please, give me a break. Didn't I, Tom Hanks already win that anyway? Exactly. He's landed. He's beat the Nazis. God. Let's move on to something else in World War II. Other things happened, right? Right. Um, for instance, the Pacific Theater. Mm. Way more interesting. Beautiful scenery. Uh you know, the, the Japanese Empire and their completely different ethnicity and ethos and approach to to, to, to battle and their sense oh, of honor. Horrible uh, meat grinder of war. Exactly. When you try to land on, oh. I mean, in Omaha Beach, they got a sense for that. But when, when you have this little tiny island and the Japanese are defending it and the U.S. Yeah. wants to land there and take it, uh, yeah, it's t- it can be a terrible thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so this game that Bruce Garrick showed me called D-Day Omaha Beach had this really cool, like, it had a really detailed map, and there were little colored dots all over the map. Like, the map looked like it had, like, some confetti measles or something. It looked crazy. (laughs) And Bruce was showing me, each of these dots is a field of fire corresponding to a defended position. And you draw these cards to see which ones are going to fire each turn. You're trying to move the guys around. Uh, And it looks kind of cool, but I'm not going to play something at Omaha Beach. So I was like, screw that. Bruce later showed me there's a same version of this game called D-Day at Pelelu. Now, Pelelu, many people may not know what that is. It's pretty obscure. I had to look it up. But Pelelu 
was an island that we landed on in World War II mm-hmm. uh, in the Pacific. It had, a, point, had an airfield, right? And it was heavily defended. Why do you know this, McMaster? Did you never watch the Pacific? The follow-up the Band ocean, of Brothers? The ocean, you mean? The ocean no, out here? The, off, uh, off of Santa Monica. No, I've watched it. Like, yeah, no, the show, the HBO, is follow-up to Band of Brothers. I watched it, but I don't remember any specifics. I remember it had nudity. Like, it had one episode where there's a bunch of topless chicks. That's what I remember. <laughs> it's true. They go on they go on R&R for, like, a whole episode, and it's like an excuse for HBO to have topless women. Well, I, I remember mean, that's, that. that's what they do. Um, but, yeah, no, there's, uh, there's I think, two or three episodes on it. You, okay, you remember that that dude that they have that episode, entire episode about him, where he, like, machine guns down like 4,000 dudes and kills everybody and is running through the woods with a machine gun and his bare hands and burning his hands and stuff. And he gets, the, like, the, the Medal of Honor. Okay, yeah. Is it Vaporing? Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's not Peleliu, but he died on Peleliu. Oh, spoiler, by the way. <laughs> well, if you haven't seen the Pacific uh, or don't remember it, yeah, he but he died in the most spectacular way ever. He was, like pinned down on the beach, and he ran all the way up to this bunker and killed everybody in it by himself. And then he ran like down the road and led a bunch of tanks through a minefield. And then on his way back, he was like spotted by another tank and shot, but managed to somehow kill it as well. <laughs> wow, McMaster, I'm impressed that you remember all this, and specifically about the airfield, because that was the big deal about Peleliu. Oh, oh was- yeah, yeah. It took him a while to uh, take it. It was a huge, bloody, bloody, horrible battle. So here was the deal with Peleliu, and part of why it's notable is, yes, it had an airfield, and uh, MacArthur at the time, he was like, hey, i got to go back to the Philippines, I have to liberate the Philippines, that's important for me, but... I shall return. Exactly, that's what he said when he left, I shall return, and he's like, i got to return, I already said it, so i got to do it. So he's like, hey, but before I do it, there's this one Japanese airfield left that can, that can attack me if I start landing at the Philippines, it's at Peleliu, so we need to take it. So he sold this idea, which in retrospect, by the way, I don't think that it seems like the, the battle at Peleliu, hugely bloody, was that necessary because it, it seems like the airfield wouldn't have been able to hinder MacArthur at all whatsoever. Um, but MacArthur was worried about it, so he sold to uh, the authority. Like it Basically, MacArthur and Nimitz were at odds sometimes about, hey, what should we do next in the Pacific? MacArthur got his way. We attacked Peleliu. What was notable about Peleliu is that previously, we had plenty of landings against the Japanese. And what the Japanese would do is like line up on the beach in these fortified positions. Their goal was to inflict casualties on us before we ever landed. Hmm. And it was, a, it was a pretty sound goal, but we learned from it. Uh, we would hang back and basically bomb their positions with, with ships, with aircraft from carriers. Uh, and then once their positions broke, it was very brittle. We basically had the island. Yeah. So... What the Japanese did, and we had no idea they were doing it, is that Peleliu, they were like, hey, let's do this a little differently. Let's put a token force on the beach, but then, as the U.S. worked their way inland, let's just contest them the entire way by digging in most of our forces in caves and bunkers. We're going to build a network of these caves. Uh, Let's fortify the interior and not so much just the landing, the, the leading edge where they land on the beach. We didn't expect that. Uh, we had bad intel on what Peleliu was like, so we just expected, hey, once we break the beach, we're fine, we've got the island. Uh, instead, we met resistance all the way up. 
uh, and it was one of the, it was a huge disaster for the 1st Marine Division. It landed and they, they received something like, like one of the regiments had something like 85% casualties and not just wounded, but killed. It decimated a huge chunk of, the, of this, this famous Marine Division. Uh, so at, at any rate, that's what's notable about, about Peleliu. What was estimated to be like a four-day operation ended up taking uh, like over a month. Uh, hugely drawn out, large numbers of casualties, and it represented a shift in doctrine for the Japanese. So this crazy war game that Bruce Garrett showed me with the little confetti dots that show you who can fire where in a detailed map, uh, there's one set at Peleliu. And I'm like, yeah, I totally want that. It's a solitaire game. I don't have to talk one of my friends into playing a war game with me. Which, by the way, Master, I've got these super nerdy uh, two-player war games. I'm going to need you to come over and play them with me. Uh, you have to be the Russians. All right. So they don't get many weapons. They basically have pistols. They're poorly armed, but you get a bunch of dudes. Uh, and, yeah, so just so you know. And when, when, I'm, when we play one on the Western Front, I'm going to be America. You have to be the Nazis, okay? Okay, okay, sure. Okay. These are very complicated. They're going to take a long time to learn. I'll just send you the rules. You learn them by tomorrow, and then we're going to play, okay? All right, that sounds good, yeah. Unfortunately, Peleliu is solitaire, so I don't need you for that. I'm going to be on my own. So here's what I did. I bought Peleliu. Uh, it arrived. I'm reading over the rules. With these little war games, unlike most board games, which have better production values because they reach a wider audience, a normal board game will come with these big, thick tiles, and you punch them out of the board, and they're super sturdy. Uh, a war game tends to have little tiny cardboard chips, uh, and they come in a in a piece of cardboard, and you punch them out, uh, and the places where they were attached to the cardboard on the corners get these little bits of, like, like schmutz, like the little torn paper, like the, the corners are a little ragged. Um, and a lot of people don't mind that. Like, a lot of people figure that's just part of war gaming. Some people, it drives them crazy, and I... I wasn't one of those people. I didn't mind those little bits of schmutz at the corner. But when I was hanging out with Bruce Garrick, he showed me this thing called a laminator corner cutter. Now, when you laminate a piece of paper uh-huh. with plastic, the corners are little spiky, like right, at, right, right angles, right? So if you have just a laminated card and you're sticking it in your pocket or whatever, those little spiky corners are going to poke you in the leg or on the fingers. So there's a whole little device called a corner cutter for laminated things. And you you can get a cheap one or a super nice one, but you basically just put the corner of the laminate in there and you clip it, and it makes a nice rounded edge on the laminated card. Uh, That's nice. Gamers, it's super nice if you're laminating. Wow. Yeah. But who's laminating? I don't laminate. Do you laminate, McMaster? Do you do no, all that? No, but it sounds nice. You know? Yeah. If I did laminate, I would want one of these. A secondary use of these things is people use them for their counters in war games, is they put the corner of the counter, which would normally have that little torn bit of schmutz on it, they put it in the laminator clipper, and they clip it, and then it comes out with this beautiful, uniform, rounded corner. Uh, and it makes the counters look super nice. But who's going to go to the trouble of doing that, right? Who cares? It's not a big deal. Well, Bruce Garrett cares. He showed me. He's like, look, look at this. Look how cool it makes them look. And so I was like, at the time, like, okay, yeah, that's fine. If you really care, I don't care. But now that I've got this D-Day Peleliu game that I'm kind of psyched to play, I'm looking at the little schmutzy corners of the counters thinking, I don't know, it'd look much better if it was, like, nice and rounded. So, McMaster, I just spent $50 on a really nice laminate counter or corner cutter. 
which, which I'm going to use on, like, there's, like, 300 counters in this D-Day Pelelu game. Uh, each counter, of course, has four edges, so that's, like, 1,200 clippings. So, McMaster, needless to say, I'm going to need you to get started. You go, yeah, you're going to send it over? All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's 1,200. You know what, McMaster? If you do 1,000 of them for me, I'll do the last 200, okay? Dude, that's really cool of you. I know, I know. I'm, 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 I'm generous that way. I, I really appreciate it, honestly. <laughs> but that, that was the most, uh, I think, ridiculous $50 I've spent in a long time. McMaster, I know you've spent ridiculous $50 on things like a, a Master Chief helmet in a collector's edition of Halo, right? Like, what's oh, yeah. the most... What's the most ridiculous $50 you've ever spent on gaming? $50? I've spent a lot more than $50 on gaming. Um, that's ridiculous. Uh, can I guess? Sure. Costumes in League of Legends. Jesus League of Legend. Christ. I wasn't even thinking about that. Uh, I don't want to say the number because it is really high. Uh, but my account alone, if if it were able to be sold, is worth a lot of money. Because of the stuff in it. Right. Well, first of all, I have a beta skin, because I was one of the people that beta tested the game, and it's super rare. And I have a couple of the other ultra-rare skins that aren't, like... You know, ever reprinted that kind of thing. So, it's, but you didn't, you didn't buy these, right? Like you win them for being in the right place at the right. Oh, time. sure. But I also spent a lot of money, right? Like <laughs> buying other ones. The master, I spent. I think something silly, like one hundred fifty dollars. This is many years ago, though, when I was making the big bucks as a freelancer. I spent like one hundred fifty dollars on a vintage copy. Of like a 1970 uh, Lord of the Rings board game, maybe maybe 1980s. It's terrible. Like it's you would never. Play I know it. the game you're talking about, actually. Yeah, um, it's like some old like SPI or Avalon. Yeah, like it, yeah. It's 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 horrible. Um, yeah, and it's got like a bazillion counters and shit, tons of paper cards. paper mat charts and stuff, right? Or the like thing is like, that it's a huge map, but the copy I bought, the guy mounted the map on some really nice boards that you put together. Well, that's so, cool. It's totally cool. So even if I never play the game, I can lay out on the table this huge detailed map of Middle Earth, and I can show you things like, you know, uh, here's where the hobbits go, or here's where, uh, actually, it's about the only thing I could show you. I don't know what else I could show you. <laughs> hey, is the battle you're talking about the battle for Henderson Field? Is it no, Henderson very good, McMaster. That was a different one. Uh, Henderson Field was on, I think, Guadalcanal. Wasn't Guadalcanal, it? So, right, yeah. Guadalcanal is another big battle that uh, way more drawn out than we thought because uh, basically we landed and we couldn't get the dudes the supplies they needed because the Battle at Sea was still going. Right, so they were starving. That. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot of guys got malaria. Um, exactly, and they were starving and they didn't right. have water and they couldn't get ammo. And, right, uh, and that's so, I kind of screwed it up. The guy's name is John Bazalone, uh, but it, it, that it, Guadalcanal, it, he didn't die there, but that's where that episode where he just murdered everybody, you know, was. Oh, that's, you looked this up on, on Google, didn't you, just now? Well, I couldn't remember his name, so, I mean, I wanted to see what the man's you know, name was. So, uh, yeah, but no, it was God of Clown, not Pelelu, so I was, I was wrong. Still, huge props for knowing that about Pelelu. For, first of all, for being able to pronounce it. I've showed people this game, and they have no idea what to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, but second of all, for knowing that it was about an airfield. To be fair, though, most battles for islands on uh, in the Pacific Theater were about airfields. 
Oh right. yeah, I mean because that's I mean that's your huge advantage. You know, you take out their their air, and we had so destroyed their navy. Yeah, you know, we had just really, crashed it. Yeah, there's no reason to have an island in the Pacific if you can't like take off airplanes from it, or at least like refuel and re- rewater ships or whatever. And you know, and while we were doing that, you know, China of course was <laughs> coming down from the other side. Look at you with your uh, World War II knowledge. Master, why don't you play more, like, nerdy war games about this stuff, then? Yeah, no, that's actually a pretty, pretty good question, because, uh, I don't know. <laughs> By the way, the guy that made the series, D-Day at Omaha Beach, D-Day at Peleliu, I think there's also a D-Day at Tarawa, which was another Pacific theater oh. battle before Peleliu. Um, his name is John Butterfield, and uh, he made a really cool game, first for the iPhone, and I think recently there's a PC version of it out called Battle of the Bulge. Uh, he was part of a group called Shenandoah Studios. They were unfortunately absorbed into uh, another war game maker called Slytherine. Uh, but while Shenandoah Studios was going, a hugely accessible, super, uh, like, like it totally bucked the trend of how most war games work, called Battle of the Bulge for the iPhone. The iOS, the iPad's great for it. Uh, tailor-made for that system uh, and a super brilliant system. I, I love so. John Butterfield made these D-Day games, which which, I'm, which is also a big. I, re- I remember Battle for the Bulge. It reminds me of Axis, uh, not Axis now. He's a Panzer uh, General. It's got yeah. It, it definitely takes like Panzer General was a. It was making that sort of milieu, the World War II battles, more accessible, more streamlined. Right. Uh, Battle for the Bulge does the same thing. Yeah. Um. Mm. All right, McMaster. Now oh. that we've run everyone off. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what is, so what have you we've talked um, about what we want to play uh, I've got some work lined up for you of course with Disney Infinity oh, obviously. Need to shits. oh yes uh, what, what have you actually been playing lately when you're not helping me out uh, you know other well Heroes of the Storm uh, but that's a long going thing and um, uh, you know Blood Bowl 2 a little bit on the P- on the PS4 thing. yeah 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 kind of uh you know, actually, I, I like this iteration of Blood Bowl 2 quite a bit, uh, or Blood Bowl, uh, as compared to the original. Um, it, it's it's very shiny. I, I, it's very pretty, and the voiceover work, while, you know, goofy, is fitting for what it is. It sounds good, you know. Uh, the only problem I have with the game overall is that it was designed by Games Workshop originally, and uh, that's a that's a bad thing because they're the they're the uh, they own the, the license. It's it's their baby. Why would it be a bad thing? No, no. I mean the original game itself, Blood Bowl, the overall oh, right? system. Like uh, the problem I've always had with Blood Bowl is always going to be present in Blood Bowl, and that is the the roles uh, are just it's it's all roles. Die it's, rolls, you mean? Yeah, uh, constant die rolls. Right. Constant. Why is that a bad thing? What's the matter with that? I, it's just every game is just there. There doesn't really seem to be any skill at all, you know. Really, in a lot of way, or if it doesn't feel that way, you know, you can pile as many players as you want into a certain area of the game uh, or the field, and you just basically hope for the best. I mean, you can move the odds up and down in your favor by, of course, surrounding dudes, etc. But right. the the sheer amount of times in I don't know if it's just a Blood Bowl thing, because this happens in the real game to me. It happens in the PC versions. Uh, I just, I cannot ever, like, manage to, like, roll well. I mean, I can roll three dice, and I'm somehow going to get knocked out. Like, Master, can I tell you the dirty little secret about any game with dice? 
What's that? It's all about trying to finesse the odds. It's just like gambling at Vegas. You know, any game with dice, yeah, the dice are going to screw you. It's all about knowing how to mitigate the randomness in your favor. And it sounds like you may not know how to play Blood Bowl yet. That's true. I I may not. I may not. Yeah, I may need to take lessons. Um, To be fair, though, there are definitely some games where being able to mitigate the randomness really isn't a part of the design. Um, but, But I think part of Blood Bowl, the reason that it's popular and that it's endured and that there are now these these digital versions of it, is I, I seem to recall, and I haven't played it, maybe, I've played it a couple of times, uh, but like, I think people like that system a lot and, and do feel like they have some control over, over the ring. Uh, sure, yeah, uh, there, there's no doubt. Um, and a lot of the fun of Blood Bowl really is the, you know, is, is building your team and trying to, you know, build up skills and stuff to, to just kind of, like, stomp the other team and pull mm-hmm. dirty tricks on them and bribing the referees. I mean, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of character. I just kind of, I just, man, I get burned by those damn dice rolls every time. Now, are you playing against other people or is there like a single player campaign? There's, there's both, actually. There's a single player campaign uh, and there's like online leagues and quick games and stuff like that. So it's actually pretty uh, fleshed out. The only thing I would like is like a local campaign, but I haven't been able to figure out how to do that if there, there is a way, like, you know, with with like my, you know, a few friends or something like that. But. So what are you, what, are you playing then again, mainly multiplayer or how, how is it? What are you playing? I've been playing can... the campaign, but I've also been playing a little multiplayer. Uh, you know, uh, the campaign, you take over a, a human team at the start, you know, and you're just kind of playing through the, the series and beating different that's teams and stuff. A human team. You're playing the humans, like the vanilla boring humans. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why you want to play the others, uh, <laughs> the other modes. Uh, cause yeah, you could play, you know, Skaven and all that. So, uh, yeah, you know, and I like dwarves, but I, I kind of like give up on them sometimes because they have so little agility. You know, it's kind of, but they do have, you know, the awesome, you know, block abilities and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there's ups and downs to every team, uh, but it does, you know. It's actually pretty cool, uh, specifically for Blood Bowl fans. Like, you know, uh, it's it's a huge update, a huge update to the first one. So, my master, here's been my obstacle traditionally with Blood Bowl. And I have, like I said, I've had people, not the board game, but talk me through the original the, the, the original PC. release of Blood Bowl 1, the PC yeah. one. Uh, and my problem with it is, even though it's, like, cool, like, elves and dwarves and skating or whatever, it's sports. I like, oh, why, you know, it's so arbitrary that I'm supposed to carry this ball over this line. Like, I couldn't care less. Like, I, I just feel like... Because I'm not into sports, I don't get into Blood Bowl 2. Is that unfair of me? Um, I don't know. Maybe not completely. I mean, it, it does help that I like football, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm not the world's biggest fan, but I, I do like it. So, I mean, that does add to the appeal. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, if you think of it really, I mean, you could just think it's a bomb you're trying to run into some, you know, a zone or something if you really want. See? You don't have yeah. to. Now, if it was that way, Master, I would totally play it. Yeah, you don't. You don't really have to think of it as a sport. Like, uh, how about that Rocket League? Do you consider that like a, a sport thing? Or? Yeah, yeah, it's just it's soccer with dune buggies. I have no desire to play. It. Well, I know that's unfair because I have plenty of people telling me how awesome Rocket League is, but I can't get over uh, soccer with dune buggies. Whatever. To be to be fair, I, I can't either. Uh, I've had so many people want me to play, but I just, uh, just whatever. Um, so I, uh, yeah. Um, uh, it's 
It is what it is. But yeah, no, I like uh, I, I like the game, I, and I th- I certainly think people will like it. It's just, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I need to play more. Uh, but Master, if someone wants to challenge you at Blood Bowl Two, who's like listening, can they do that? Is there a way they could do that? I think so. Uh, I think my PSN is J Christmas. I think that's it. All right, so you're you're saying you will accept all comers? Oh uh, yeah, in terms yeah. Of being challenged at Blood Bowl Two? Right? Absolutely, I will. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I need to go jump into like just an open league and get murdered by a bunch of people because that's that's usually what happens. Master, I support you playing anything that will that is not by uh, that is not Heroes of the Storm or Hearthstone. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> um, Master, have you heard of this game called Rebel Galaxy? That sounds familiar. Uh, the is... fella who who made Torchlight Two, um, oh. I think he founded a, a new studio for this, and it, it actually has very little in common with Torchlight Two. Torchlight Two was an action RPG very similar to Diablo in terms of the basic, uh, in terms of the genre. Uh, Rebel Galaxy, nothing like that. It's a standard, actually not standard, I'll tell you why in a minute, but it's a space fighting slash trading slash mining action game. Hmm. Uh, Like X and X2 or whatever? Exactly, McMaster, yeah. Uh, And like, like a million other indie things that are on Steam. I mean, these kinds of games are a dime a dozen. Yeah. You cannot throw an asteroid without hitting one of them. That's a terrible analogy, but uh, they're, they're all over the place. Uh, and I play a lot of them, and I'm like, okay, this is very familiar. Uh, you know, I can upgrade my ship, and I fly around, and a lot of them bounce off me. And let me give you an example of one of them, which I think is, is pretty brilliant, but didn't work for me. Uh, the product of a recent Kickstarter by folks, at least one guy who, who made the original Elite, is elite colon something something something? I forget whatever it is, uh, but the latest something dangerous or something. <laughs> yeah, elite dangerous something at the dangerous sector or something. Right. Uh, but the, the latest elite is that same kind of uh, space fighting slash trading slash mining game. Right. And elite is beautiful, and it has this really cool uh, sense of moving through big like like solar systems and moving between solar systems. Uh, it's it's super complex in terms of like upgrading your ship and having to watch fuel, having to manage prices at different systems. They do this uh, kind of MMO esque. You're always online, where other players can be there. Oh, you can turn that off. Um, and their 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 main focus is on immersion. This idea that you're in this ship, that you're in the cockpit that you actually have to dock your ship when you get to a space station. Um, I think they've changed this, but when I was playing it, you couldn't even get an external view of your ship because they wanted to really create this idea that you're the guy in the cockpit. And I right. kind of applaud that approach. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But I end up playing a game about taking 10 minutes to fly somewhere and to dock and then to find out, oh, the prices here are crappy for these like space... <sighs> you know, I'm trying to sell space slugs and oh, yeah. they don't want to buy them here, so I have to fly somewhere else. Um, and even mining. When you mine an elite, and I don't know if this has changed, you would sit there and you would shoot a laser <laughs> at an asteroid. And, and little pieces would fly off of the asteroid. So to get them, you would have to fly after them and line up the little piece with a little scoop, and you would miss and have to turn around and get it again. Super tedious, like chasing these little pieces that you're trying to mine. Yeah, that's pretty um, ungodly, yeah. Yeah. So, and again, what they're trying to do there is create this sense, too, of 
I, I think it feels more rewarding when you you have to really work uh, up, you know you have to work a lot and save up your money uh, to upgrade to a new ship. Uh, they draw out this whole advancement system of getting better equipment and better ships. And I think they, they feel, perhaps rightly, that it's more gratifying that way. But the end result is I end up spending three hours playing a game where I got like four units of iron ore and I sold them and made maybe, you know, a hundred credits and I'm yes. exaggerating there. But yeah, it just it just feels like a lot of downtime. Yeah. Uh, Oh God! You know, and like X. Do you remember that X had that timer that it would go off if you left it running, and it was God. It would start like doing crazy stuff to your ship and stuff, and oh. Because X was also about like setting up an industry and letting it run and get money and uh, right. But you had to be there. You couldn't just let it run because it would get mad as hell about that. Uh, and that, that's a dilemma that some of these games face, because the other way you can go is just be super glib and, and let you quickly zip around the galaxy and do sure. stuff, in which case it kind of feels meaningless. Um, so here's why I like Rebel Galaxy. Uh, is it, it takes – it definitely is the opposite of Elite, by the way. You never have to dock at a space station. Here's how you dock at a space station, Master. <clears throat> you point your ship towards – like a satellite or a moon base or a, a satellite or, you know, wherever you're trying to dock, you just point your ship at the space station. You fly full speed at it. And when you get close enough, it just zaps you into the docking. You basically ram it at whatever speed you want. Uh, if you want, you can fly up close to it and press a docking button. But if you just fly at full speed, the moment before it, you hit it, it loads up the little docking thing. It's like, okay, you're here. Oh, you're that's gonna... awesome. I'm going to be hauling ass throughout the galaxy. And, and that's because I, I think uh, the, the folks that made Rebel Galaxy really put a premium on, on pacing. However, they also, it's not, you know, a lot of games that, that dispense with docking, you have to replace that with some kind of activity. Because if I'm just like buying something for, you know, if I'm buying space slugs for 20 credits here, and then I zap to another station, and I sell them for 30 credits... You know, the stuff that happens in between, oh, maybe I got a random battle, uh, but if I didn't, it just feels like I like spreadsheet stuff, and every now and then you're looking at the cockpit or looking at a spaceship. Oh, yeah, absolutely, um, sure. So the approach they take for, for Rebel Galaxy reminds me a lot of Assassin's Creed Black Flag, where <laughs> they created a compressed version of the Mediterranean, and they always made something happening, or they made you have something that you wanted to go look at, or... They popped up some new screen or gave you upgrades. Like uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag as a pirate ship simulator. It had unique combat, by the way, too. Yeah. Uh, and it was just the Mediterranean, uh, not the Mediterranean, the, uh, the Caribbean, yeah. full of activity. Uh, and, and so Rebel Galaxy, I feel, does something very similar. You know, when I buy space slugs for 20 credits, when I have to get them to another station, space station to sell them, here's the first thing it does. It lets me sell them if I've done my homework by, like, looking at, you know, why I would want to sell, you know, where I buy space logs and where I sell them, I can look at the map and get a sense. You know, there's an event like space lug breeding outbreak here, and I know, oh, they're going to be super cheap. Over here, uh, you know, starvation, people need some kind of food. So I know, okay, I go where the space slugs are, are in abundance, and I take them where people need them. Uh, and actually, there's no space slugs. Like, the example I can think of is they'll have a mining rush at some system. Oh, sure, yeah, right. Yeah, so you know, oh, I can get gold and ore and, and right. stuff like that. Yeah, super yeah. cheap. 
Yeah. And then there's another system that might be blockaded, where it's like, oh, man, there's no goods coming into this place. Whatever I bring in, they'll be super eager to buy, but I have to run past these attacking ships blockaded. Oh, yeah, you have to kind of be a, uh, yeah, kind of a runner. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Blockade runner. And, and what, what they do in Rebel Galaxy is as long as you're playing it this way and doing these kind of cool common sense things that you can figure out by looking at the map, you have the information for that. This game is more than happy to give you plenty of money. Like, it is not at all stingy. It doesn't want to draw out the progression curve. I mean, it still feels meaningful. But I get I, when I do things that I feel like, oh, I figured this out. I need to take this good from here to there. It rewards me. Uh, like, here's an example. In, one, in the starting system where I played, and the systems are random, by the way. I don't know how there, there's, some, there's some procedural generation where the system I played in made perfect sense, and I assumed it was hand-built. I only later found out, no, this is random. It changes every time you play. Wow, that's awesome. But in my system, there was this outlying uh, uh, prison uh, station, and right next to it was a, a criminal city. And I loved the fact that they were right next to each other, but it was super <laughs> far out. It would take me, and this is, dis- this is the sense of distance in Rebel Galaxy, it would take me like you know, 20, 30 seconds to get out there as far as like traveling at warp speed. Normally, it's just a few seconds going back and forth between places. It doesn't draw it out. But this place was super distant. Um, so I get a little message at one point that there was an archaeological find at that prison system. I'm like, okay, let me go see what they're selling. So I run out there, and they have for sale, and there's a great supply and demand thing. Like, you can't just go someplace and buy whatever you want. You go someplace, and there's a certain number of items that they'll sell. Uh, So alien artifacts is a super expensive good, but nobody's selling them. People are buying them for good prices, but nobody's selling them. However, at this one prison system where they had an archaeological find, there was one alien artifact for sale. For something like 18,000 credits. And I was like, oh my god, I'm totally going to buy that. Now I have to figure out where best to sell it. Sure, so, yeah. So I'm looking over the map, and all the stations have different names and different types. There's like a merchant hub, or there's like a bureaucratic city, or there's a military station, there's a pirate base you can go to. Awesome. And I'm thinking, who would want an alien artifact? Oh, here's like a scientific research station. Sure, that makes it's, sense. Exactly. And sure enough, like for three times what I paid for it, whereas everybody else would maybe pay me, you know, 150% or double, I just flew there, made perfect sense. They bought this artifact from me, and I made a crazy amount of money because I sort of lined up these two events. And the game was more than happy to let me sort of leapfrog uh, a couple of levels of advancement and make crazy money from this, which was awesome. That is awesome. Uh, so, and also the, the combat is it's unique. It's not just, oh, I'm turning super tight, trying to, like, line up my cursor with another ship. Uh, like, everything you fly is, like, a capital ship, and you have the option to use these broadsides, which are totally based on positioning, where I have to turn my ship a certain way. It's very much like using the sailing ships in Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Uh, you can either fight with those, or you can fight with turrets. Um, and, you know, there's, like, like any space game worth its salt... It's going to give you completely different kinds of upgrades, and you choose the different types of weapons. Uh, there's oh, all yeah. kinds of different shield types you can get. You can get like a shield you fire off manually. You can upgrade drives. There's different hulls you can use. Um, but they have a real gratifying sense of, of ship building in this game, uh, and it really informs the combat. 
What was what was that game like a decade ago? That was like a third person where you jump through gates and uh, you know you there, could. There have been a few like Chris Roberts did like a freelancer game. Freelancer that was the well yeah. it was a was it the 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 follow up to that that he did that was oh. like. Well, there was a privateer game, and I think Freelancer was Freelancer the, was the follow-up. Right, yeah. Privateer and Privateer 2 were awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was another game, too, that uh, like, I don't know that it had a clear sense of how to populate a solar system. Uh, in Rebel Galaxy, by the way, the solar systems are distinct nodes. You can move around between them, but each solar system is a fully created geographical place. Uh, right. And in Privateer, I remember the sense was you're flying between boxes that represent planets. I go, I'm in this little box, and now when I jump, it's basically loading. It's covering the fact that it's loading a new box. Right. Uh, what, what Elite, real quick, what Elite and Rebel Galaxy do is they just load a whole universe, basically. Uh, well, not it, Rebel Galaxy just loads a solar system at a time. Elite is a hugely ambitious technical project for how you can go anywhere in the galaxy you want. Elite also is full 3D. Rebel Galaxy binds you, and I don't mind this at all. Some people might find it restrictive, but Rebel Galaxy binds you to a 2D plane. Like you're never going above or below something. Um, so. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So it's like, uh, what what would you compare it to then? Well, in a way, uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. You know, your your sailing ship is always it, it's modeled after naval battle. Your sailing ship is always it, there's no z axis. It's always on the same plane. Oh, I got you. So you're literally like you're behind your ship and yes. or or wherever, and you can go left or right, but not up or down. There's it's no, exactly. It's, oh. And it is a third person view, which I also feel is important to create this sense of attachment to your ship. Like, oh, this is what I'm flying. This is what it looks like. In Elite. They want you to be in the cockpit and feel, oh, I'm really here. In Rebel Galaxy, they want you to like look at the space porn of the cool ships. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> another game, by the way, that does this, there's a really great science fiction game based on naval combat and the way they do it, based on the tenets of naval combat, but with cool science fiction stuff mixing it up, and it's bound to a single plane. There's a great RTS called Sins of a Solar Empire. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> where, again, you don't mess with going up and down. Like, a lot of people think in Homeworld, that's an awesome thing. I, I feel almost never does that enhance gameplay, like this Z-axis. It, it, it muddies things. It makes things complex, uh, pointlessly. Uh, I am fine with any space game taking place on only a 2D plane. No, there is some sort. There is some appeal to the Elite uh, model, though you know the the, the real simulation, the real oh, yeah, you know, in the yeah. cockpit. That, that's pretty cool. As but, far as as far as being immersive, you're right. Like elite in an in cockpit game needs to let you fly up and down. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you kind of almost sold me on elite just talking about how big it is. And uh, okay, if you're willing to spend three hours making you know a hundred credits selling space slugs, master, how about it? I, I wish it was like uh, I don't know. I wish there was like a combination. You know, I wish it was faster. You know, like X always felt faster than Elite to me. Uh, yeah. So like uh, I, I just I guess I miss X. That's what, well, what I'm saying. Well, you could always play X. I think what is the last one? X Rebirth. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was terrible. I mean, it was yeah, terrible. Yeah, that's what I heard. That's why I didn't even bother. I was like, yeah. if it's that bad, I'm, I'm not going to buy it. It's, it's just going to be a waste. So they did this funny thing, because one, one of the challenges that you face in these games is, what is there to do in space if you're not fighting a battle? You know, what right. is there to do if you're just in a spaceship flying in hyperspace or whatever between two systems? Uh, X, if, if Rebirth is the last one, I think it is, the last X 
did this thing where when you're hyperspacing between two systems, it's like you're in a, a hyperspace freeway and there's traffic. Oh, God. So if you want, you can just sit there and let it take however much time as, as you want and you're there. But if you want to play this like traffic mini game, you can move around between different lanes and slipstream behind other things and then change lanes. And uh, it was... It was kind of interesting. Like I like I, I like the approach. Like, hey, here's how to make hyperspace interesting. Uh, but also, it seemed a little goofy. Like, oh, I'm on a I'm I'm in traffic. You know, it's a commute. It's like rush hour in space. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's very few games that have ever been able to like really meld uh, different gameplay uh, together. Uh, like, oh, what was that one that was uh, like Advanced Space Rangers or something like that? Was that a game oh, or? Yeah. Space Rangers, and there was an HD release for it, and it was, I think, a top-down thing. Um, right. Again, combat, mining, you know, space battles, mining, trading stuff, and yeah. Yeah, but, like, you remember if you would get, like, put in prison, you could do the, like, Zork kind of, like, info uh, breakout of it, you know, and stuff like I actually, that. Yeah, I didn't play a lot of it, but I know they did a lot of cool stuff, <laughs> yeah. like, giving you giving you text adventures in right. each planet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so you you had a bunch of text adventures and stuff. Yeah. That was actually a pretty cool, like, uh, combination of, uh, of gameplay. <laughs> but... Didn't they even have, like, a planet-side combat RTS kind of thing? Or maybe yeah. you think of a different game. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. Uh, it has been so long since I played it, but I was just thinking. But, yeah, I actually, I really do think they did. They had a ton of stuff going on in that game. It was, it was pretty solid. Uh, another similar space game I played recently that is called Beyond Sol. S-O-L, like a star, not like Sol. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In uh, Beyond Sol, when you are looking at the map for all intents and purposes it looks completely like a space 4x you know there are different hexes and yeah. your city is in one hex and you upgrade it by giving it different buildings and then you claim other hexes with little stations um and eventually you run into another empire and you either have peace with them or war or you give them money or you become allies or whatever totally plays like a 4x however to influence things and to get resources and to fight battles you jump down into a little top-down view of a ship, and you're flying it around, and it's, again, a space-fighting, trading, mining huh. game. Uh, but it mainly, you know, the moment-to-moment gameplay is flying the ship around, but the higher strategic level is running a space empire and building this city. Uh, what gates the availability of the different guns and shields and stuff is how many of these corporate headquarters you've built at your city. Like, you build your city, and it needs a population, it needs power, very much like a city builder. Uh, but then the tech tree is which corporations do you favor. Um, so, Beyond Saw, I, I really like as well. It's a cool new oh. space game. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, I uh, I haven't played very many space games in a while. It's uh, kind of been missing them. Huh. Well, I'm sure you know, Star Citizen, which will be out any day, is going to be everything and then some, McMaster. Yeah, you know, there are some people that think otherwise. <laughs> well, I don't, McMaster, you throw $90 million at something and you are going to get... Wing Commander some, of the movie? <laughs> boy, that, that cast, you're going to get a creepy Gary Oldman doll delivering speeches. Dude. Uh, yeah. That's going to be something else. Man, Chris Roberts has a mess going on. Oh, uh, come on, Master. Cut the guy a break. I mean, come I on. Mean, yeah, having... cut him a McMaster, break. You know, it's really hard to manage. The accounting alone, when you make $90 million, 
Yeah, I feel really bad for anybody that sells ten thousand dollar imaginary ships after after the fact. Actually, I feel really bad for anybody that buys them. To be honest with you, because that's just baffling to me. All right, Master, tell me the truth. What is how much have you spent on imaginary ships in in Star Citizen? Oh, none. That was one I did not back. I backed a lot of stuff, but I, I avoided Star Citizen. Well, Master, you better hurry. That thing could come out any day, and you could miss out on these pre-order ships. I mean, I'm sure they're going to release a full game very soon, and you're going to miss your opportunity, McMaster, to buy a ten thousand dollar. Atari's version. <clears throat> it's, it's just insane. Like, yeah, I don't know. They're they're banking way too hard on whatever that current space game is yeah. that everybody loves. Well, the MMO, whatever. Uh, but, yeah. Wait, there's a, there's a space MMO. Oh, well, I'm sorry, the spreadsheet MMO that has some spaceships in it. Elite, you mean? No, no, the MMO. Oh God, what a spreadsheet MMO that has space. What is this? I want to play it. Oh. Crap, you know what it is. Spreadsheet MMO with ships in it? That sounds right. Uh, uh, Eve Online? Oh, oh, that one. No, I don't want to play that. Okay, right. No, no, God, how can I forget that? Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like that. That's some. Eve, they they like saw people doing tons of like real money interaction in Eve right, Online. Right. Or like, well, hell, we'll just sell them fake ships. Why not? Eve Online is such a niche audience. I can't help. I mean, at this point, like Eve Online is like you are with with Blizzard games. I, I think the people who play EVE Online aren't looking for another space game. I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah, EVE Online's weird. Uh, I've tried to play it a few times and I just, I can't get into it. There's way too much just sitting around and okay. letting your guide, you know, just level up. Um, you know what I have been playing that I will admit to? Can I, t- can I guess? Sure, go ahead. Hearthstone. Well, yeah, I've been playing Hearthstone. Okay, what else besides Hearthstone? Uh, I am I am almost through Arkham Knight. I actually finished the main storyline, and I have enough criminals to activate old Nightfall. Aha! Uh-huh. But I haven't done it yet uh, because I'm trying to get a few more. Uh, the you know, because I'm actually trying. There, there's a few parts of the game I enjoy that I kind of like to finish up, like the uh, you know taking over the little fortresses and roadblocks, and you know um, some of that stuff. But yep. then, then yeah, I'll, I'll, I have no idea what happens after that. But uh, how do you feel about the Batmobile? I forgot if you talked about this when we talked. You know. So this is what happened. Uh, you know, there's two Batmobile upgrade areas. Uh, there's the kind of the armor, and then there's the weapons. Well, I had upgraded, like, all the armor stuff. Uh, and I'd, I really hadn't thought about the weapons. So once I upgraded the weapons, it started to become easier just because you're killing them in, like, one or two shots mm-hmm. instead of, like, four or five. And right. um, yep. once you... And, you know, the one that I kept trying to do, I had no idea, but it, it was actually really hard. There was like 50 or something coming to that area. Uh, yeah. There were easier ones. So, yeah, there's that. So once I, I got those stupid, uh, you know, it, like I, I'm talking about the bomb disposals. Uh, once I got like that down, uh, I just, it, it kind of, and also the fact that I had beaten all of the, like, Batmobile parts that are necessary in the game before I took right. a break for like three weeks and then I came back I don't really have to do any of them anymore so I don't really mind as much uh, but you know once you get used to that like the story is a lot of fun you know uh, it's actually a pretty cool story 
It's nice, it's nice to have an open world game where you actually care about and you're involved in the story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're really good at that. Um, but, the, yeah, the story's pretty cool. Uh, so, you know, I, I take back some of my negativity about it, but I still hate the Batmobile. All right, fair enough. Uh, count me down as a Batmobile fan. McMaster, you're a Batmobile hater. I'm a Batmobile fan. But, um, I mean, the real thing, I mean, other than all the Blizzard stuff that I've been playing is Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> oh, jeez, about time. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been playing. I just play a lot slower than you. Huh? Yeah, how far? So, here's another thing. Uh, I got past right. the first ending already. And okay, I right. might have gotten past the second, but I don't remember. Uh, okay, uh, spoil- oh, whoa, whoa, spoilers for... No, 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 really? Wait, I thought you'd played. I have, but I don't want to spoil that for people listening. Oh, yeah, I was going to say... Oh, okay, well, yeah, we can... Uh, yeah. But basically, you're past the second ending. Maybe. I don't okay. know. Uh, well, here's the thing about Metal Gear Solid that I'm sure this will probably happen in Arkham Knight when you do the Nightfall Protocol or whatever it's called. But but Metal Gear Solid Five, yeah. it ends. You know, like, you can huh. still run around. There's no reason. Like, it's willing to say, you know what? You're done playing. Uh, we're taking away things. We're going to do story beats that uh, you don't have stuff that you thought you were going to get to get. You get to have. We're not going to be completely open-ended. Uh, and I kind of respect that. Like, I haven't gone back to it since then. I could go back and do little piddly upgrades and stuff. But it ended with me having a bunch of stuff left that I could have researched or done. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of like that because I put it down and I was like, you know what? I got what I wanted to out of it. I don't feel the need to grind and get all these other tech upgrades. And thank you. It was a grand time. I was, and then I walked away. It yeah. really was the damnedest game. You know, uh, I kind of... Like, I'd played, you know, Ground Zeroes because a, a friend of mine was going to go trade it in. I was like, you know, I'll give you 10 bucks for it. So I played it, and um, I kind of enjoyed it. So I was like, you yeah, know, I'll check this out. And then, good God, uh, Phantom Pain was just, it was awesome. I, I don't know. It's like, I love the, I love the story. I love, I love, like, the crazy, like, camera work he did with it. I love all the crazy, like, characters. I, I don't know. It was just... It was awesome. I mean, you know, admittedly, our, our friend Mike Cathcart had, uh, you know, been really giddy about it, and uh, had, we had talked a lot about the uh, kind of storyline of the Metal Gear series, so I kind of understood a little bit more than I expected to. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it really kind of uh, it took me by surprise, um, and how much how much fun I had with that game. Yeah. As someone who normally gets lost, like, early on in a Kojima game, I kind of felt like I, I still, like, the story isn't, like, totally in your face in Metal Gear Solid Five. I feel. Like, instead, there's some great gameplay, but the story is sort of... They did this brilliant thing, man. They put it on those tapes. Those cassette tapes. Oh, yeah, tapes. and that stuff, I, I listened to, like, a lot of times, I just wouldn't even... I, there's so many of those I didn't listen to. Uh, so, like, that's, them. that's for the, like, the power story consumers, like, the people who really want to know stuff. Uh, some of those things are freaking awesome. Some of them, not as much, but some of them are ridiculously awesome. How do you feel about Kiefer Sutherland being Snake? You know, it was Kiefer Sutherland. Like, I would have been fine with what's-his-name. Is it David? Uh, whatever. Hater. Hater, yeah. I would have been cool with that. I don't see... I mean, he still worked on the game, didn't he? I mean, he was, like, one of the other characters or something. Are you serious? I think he wasn't. Like, I think he was... Uh, you might be right, but I thought he was kind of conspicuously missing from the game. I could be wrong. 
Uh, yeah, he might be. Um, but obviously, you know, they wanted to bring in a celebrity to be Snake. So in that regard, he definitely was not the lead character. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I really, honestly do think that's that's kind of uh, kind of a shame, shame because, like, I, I really like the guy. Uh, you know. Um, well, I, I hated Kiefer Sutherland just because I was constantly aware it was Kiefer Sutherland. That's kind he of just, a problem for me too with it. Actually, I don't, I don't hear like I, and I think of Snake has such an exaggerated voice, obviously inspired by you know what like Kurt Russell was doing in Escape from New York. Exactly, Snake Plissken. Yeah. Uh, so to hear Jack Bauer coming at, to hear that voice coming out of Snake Plissken's mouth just felt completely created a huge cognitive dissonance for me and it really didn't work for me yeah i mean that that was kind of my problem too because yeah you're absolutely right which by the way he used the code name pliskin a couple of times in one of the games uh which i thought was awesome wait master you're not saying that kojima was upfront about his homages and his sources oh, oh no yes uh, he's kojima. real he's real subtle <laughs> Yeah, a guy who names one of his characters Strange Love. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, no, yeah, uh, man. I'll tell you one thing that I absolutely like, just from the beginning, loved about this game was the opening. Just like the you know listening to the man who sold the world, while you know you're all like completely kind of foggy and out of it, and then like you know uh, the girl shows up, and tries to kill you, and. All that stuff, you know? I just really... Yeah. I really love that intro. Getting out of the right. hospital. Right from the get-go, you realize I'm in for something a little different, yeah. Yeah, it's not the... the like, almost every other Metal Gear ever either begins with, like, 45 minutes of cutscenes or dialogue skips. You know? <laughs> so. uh, I'm not keen on that cover of, of Man Who Sold the World, though. Like, I think of it as, first, a Kurt Cobain cover, because that's how <laughs> I came to it. But it's originally a David Bowie song. Yeah. And this this... Well, whatever they were using in the game is neither of those. And I was like, it was almost like hearing Kiefer Sutherland be Snake. I'm like, no, this is not the man who sold the world that I, I either of the ones that I love. What you guys <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, yeah, yeah, but I, it was still, you know, it, it was all right, though. It, it's nice to hear a familiar song like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it, it kind of fit the opening, in a way, just because of how um, kind of surreal everything was. Um, and to be fair, McMaster, when you think about it, Part of the theme of Metal Gear Solid Five is imposters. It really is. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things I like. He hits over and over again. Yeah, is the the phantom pain as he hits yeah. on that idea of like the the feeling of loss and the people that are you know etc. Yeah, but Master, <laughs> let, let's get down to brass tacks. I need to know what song did you have playing on the Pequod, the helicopter, when, oh it, when it picks you up and drops you off? What was your choice of song? This, this is going to say a lot about you. I changed it a lot, to be honest with you. But um, probably for the longest, it was uh, Rebel Yell. Uh, or um, uh, it was also, for quite some time, it was uh, Dolby, Blind Move Science. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, McMaster, it was never anything but Gloria. Oh, well, you got to get that G, you know, yeah. and then the L. See, the problem with the with the Pequot song is, like, you only ever basically hear is, like, 
20 seconds of it. And that's usually like the least interesting part of most songs. <laughs> right. Based on Rebel Yell, you know, like Rebel Yell has yeah. that very distinctive, I, I couldn't begin to imitate oh, it, yeah. but Rebel Yell has that very distinctive opening, yeah. yeah. The, the opening of Gloria kind of sucks because it takes a while before they get back. <laughs> I think you're thinking of a different Gloria. You're oh, wait. Of, uh, oh, God. No, you're, yeah, you're the Gloria. Gloria. Oh, that is awesome. That's the best landing song ever. It's like one uh, time. You remember Battlefield Vietnam? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like riding around uh, in the scooters, playing Ride the Valkyries or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You could do that with the helicopters, uh, of course, and play, you know, the Valkyries. And, and they even had the setup like that first of the Ninth Village where there was, you know, on the on the Delta. And you could come in over the water. Uh, I remember I experimented once by trying a bunch of different songs. And Man on the Mirror was the worst. <laughs> uh, I here's a here's something that might make me make you want to play Rebel Galaxy even more. Okay. You can tell it when you boot it up what songs like what directories to play a song from during oh. what parts of the gameplay. Like you can say, hey, <laughs> when I'm trading in a station, play out of this folder of my custom songs. Oh, when God. I'm in combat, play this folder. When I'm in warp speed, you know, when I'm just traveling around space, play from this folder. So you can set specific songs, you know, or you can put as as many songs as you want in the folder to play during specific parts of the game. That is, uh, that's kind of awesome. Yeah, so my master, what I did is I just dropped an MP3 of Gloria in all of the folders. What? <laughs> there you have it, you know. Uh, my master, you know what it's time for? What's that? Listener mail. Oh, good, good. I bet we have some. It's been a couple we of weeks, yeah. Uh, let's see, this is from T. Baker Frondheim in oh. Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, he says, uh, McMaster, why aren't you more helpful to Tom for his gaming pursuits? A real friend would totally get Mulan up to level 20. Wow, already? Yeah, uh, signed, signed T. Baker Frontheim. Yeah, what do you have to say to him? Jesus, I, I got to get on that. I'm sorry, T. Baker. Not only have I let you down, I've let myself down. Okay, good. The first step is acknowledging it's a problem. Yeah, Master. it really is. I'm on that step, my friend. Tom, I love the podcasts with you and McMaster, but I wish McMaster would play more games that are made by someone who isn't Blizzard. He is killing the games industry. At this rate, thanks to Jason McMaster, all games will only be Blizzard games by the year 2022. Signed, Silas From the Third, Esquire, from uh, Pickles Gap, North Dakota. Oh, man, Jesus. You know? Uh, you know, you may be right. Uh, it, you know, and they're coming out with another game that I can obsess over too, uh, Overwatch. So uh, I may need an intervention. All right, McMaster. Me and uh, Silas from the Third Esquire will get on that. Oh, look, look, McMaster. Here's one to both of us. Dear Tom and Jason, tell Jason he should totally try Rebel Galaxy and D Day at Kalelu. Tell him also that since you suffered through Disney Infinity, he should too. Signed, Norman Druthers, Blunt Whistle, Arkansas. Oh, you know, uh, you're you're right. I, I'll get on Infinity uh, as soon as I can. And anyway, if I remember correctly, I have to I have to level up Mulan. Mulan and uh, the guy from Aladdin, whose name is apparently Aladdin, and uh, Tinkerbell. Yeah, and, and yeah, T-Bell. Uh, all right, McMaster, uh, we will be here. Oh, so for the listeners, here's the deal we have in mind. And McMaster, this might be news to you. What I'd like to do going forward with the podcast is me and McMaster are going to do a podcast like this, just hanging around, shooting the ball, telling McMaster what he's got to do to help me out. Uh, 
we're going to be doing this every other week, and then every other week, uh, we'll post some sort of interview. So next week, the reason I didn't talk Prison Architect with you, McMaster, which, by the way, it's got something called an escape mode where you build a prison, and then you can be introduced into your own prison as a prisoner, and you have to play this little kind of mini-game where you try to escape. Uh, and you build up a gang for a reputation. I, uh, I judged their IGF uh, in this, uh, entry years back when they first put it up. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Prison Architect. Yeah, good. Well, then uh, you'll know I need you uh, to be in my gang. Oh, yeah. Uh, anytime I get in a fight, you have to get into a fight. And I'm going to need you to hold my contraband for me mm. in, in case the guards ever try to search me so that you get caught with it instead of me. Man, holding contraband is one thing I'm really good at. Good. Okay, good. Uh, oh, also, by the way, when you play Rebel Galaxy, there's no multiplayer, but uh, I'm just going to send you my save. Uh, I need you to just go out and just shoot lasers at a bunch of rocks, and you'll just get ore, and then carry the ore and sell it for me. Okay. Yeah, don't don't give me battles. And whatever you do, Master, don't use up any of my missiles, because I bought those. I need to save them. Uh, just mine ore for me, sell it, and then send me back the save game when, when you've gotten me about... I don't know, like 50,000 credits or so. 50K? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, good. Uh, all right, so uh, listeners, join me next week for a prison architect interview with the guys at Introversion. Uh, and McMaster and I will be back in two weeks, after which McMaster, uh, according to what he said on this podcast, will have finished all the content in Guild Wars 2 Heart of the Thorns. Oh, yeah, no problem. No problem. You, you said it, McMaster, so I look forward to in two weeks you explaining to us everything is in there. Oh yeah, no problem. I can get you. <laughs> Alright, so uh, everyone, thanks for listening and we'll see everyone here next week. People say a man is made out of mud. A poor man's made out of muscle and blood. Muscle and blood. I'm playing this for you because you can listen to this while you're <laughs> leveling, while you're mining ore for me in Rebel Galaxy. I do love Tennessee Ernie yeah. Ford, so it'll, it'll be more pleasant. Deeper in depth. You know, Professor, you can even put this song in all of the directories to listen to while you're playing Rebel Galaxy. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> I was born one morning when the sun didn't shine. I picked up my shovel and I walked to the mine. I loaded 16 tons of number nine coal. And the scald boss said, oh, well, bless my soul. You load 16 tons. And what do you get? Another day older and deeper in depth. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't.